Good morning, church family. I pray that you are all well, as today we will once again be in Acts chapter 2 for our fifth and final sermon from this glorious chapter, as we will be looking specifically this morning at verses 42 through 47, or at the fellowship of the believers, which takes place in Acts chapter 2, obviously following the coming or the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, as we all saw back in verses 1 through 13, and also following these same disciples of Jesus Christ who received the gift of the Holy Spirit, being able to speak in other known human languages and tongues, to which a crowd of people then, upon hearing these disciples of Jesus Christ speak in that of their own native languages and tongues, began saying to one another, not only for what does this mean, but also calls then some people in the crowd to conclude that these disciples of Jesus Christ must have been filled with new wine or drunk on new wine. And thus the apostle Peter then, standing with the eleven, made clear to the crowd here that what they were witnessing on this day of Pentecost wasn't because all these people were drunk on new wine, but instead, that it was all in accordance with the very word of God as foretold by the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2. To which the apostle Peter then transitioned from this Old Testament text in Joel chapter 2 to eventually then another Old Testament text, this time found in Psalm chapter 16. In order to begin to make clear to his audience here that this Jesus of Nazareth a man attested to them by God, but who they crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men is, verse 36, both Lord and Christ. And thus the apostle Peter then, for he not only cites this aforementioned psalm, specifically that of Psalm chapter 16, verses 8 through 11, and verses 25 through 28, but also then goes on to explain to the crowd that this text actually speaks about a resurrection from the dead. And thus being that the patriarch David, the author of this psalm, Psalm chapter 16, died and was buried, that this psalm then couldn't have ultimately been speaking about him, but instead ultimately had to be speaking about the Messiah. And thus being that this Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead, for this Jesus of Nazareth then most certainly has to be then the Messiah. To which the Apostle Peter then goes on to say to the crowd that this Jesus of Nazareth, for he was not only raised from the dead by God, but has also, verse 33, been exalted at the right hand of God the Father as well. And in order to prove that, for the Apostle Peter once again goes back to the Old Testament scriptures here, but this time to that of Psalm 110, verse 1. In essence, in order to make the point that David... Again, the author of this psalm had to be saying here in this text that, verse 34, the Lord Yahweh said, verse 34, to my Lord, a.k.a. to the patriarch David's Lord, or to the Messiah, to sit at my right hand, verse 35, until I make your enemies your footstool. And thus, as one commentator put it, for Psalm 110, verse 1 then, gives the readers here a heavenly perspective of the earthly event of the ascension of Jesus Christ, whereas the Apostle Peter indicates what happened in God's throne room was that Jesus was told by God the Father, 
to sit at his right hand. Therefore, this Jesus of Nazareth then not only fulfilled the promises given to the patriarch David concerning his suffering and resurrection, but also concerning that of his enthronement or exaltation as well, to which the Apostle Peter then makes absolutely clear to this Jewish crowd here, church, in verse 36, that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And thus in hearing all this for this Jewish crowd, for they were cut to the heart and wanted to know what to do. Therefore the apostle Peter said back to them in verse 38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as we all saw last week in verse 41, that about 3,000 souls then on this day received his word, were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and were added to the church. Which takes us now to our thesis statement this morning, or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. The early church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Again, our thesis statement this morning, church, is this. The early church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And thus at this time, let's all open our Bibles up this morning to Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. And if you are joining us today and do not have or do not own a Bible, then please feel free to grab and even to keep one of our church Bibles, which are all located in the chairs in front of you as our gift to you this morning. And to open that brand new Bible of yours up at this time to page 911 and join us as we as a church family hear the word of God together this morning. For again, we will be in Acts chapter 2 this morning, church, and we'll be looking specifically at verses 42 through 47, where Dr. Luke, the author of the book of Acts, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were gathered together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how wonderful, Father, you are. A God who knows all things, who is always present, who is all-powerful. And in him is light, and there is no darkness at all. 
Father, you truly are holy. And Father, what a privilege it is to come into your presence this morning corporately as a church body. Lord, to praise you, to sing songs to you, to pray to you, to give our offerings to you this morning, and to now sit under the preaching of your word. Father, soften our hearts this morning, I pray. Father, I pray that you use this word exactly as you see fit this morning to draw us closer, not only in communion with you, Father, but in communion and in community and fellowship with each other. Father, give us eyes to see this morning that we as a church body are all part of the body of Jesus Christ together, that we are to do life together. This Christian life is to be done in community and with each other. Father, I pray that you open our ears and you soften our hearts this morning to convict us where we need to do a better job reaching out to our brothers and sisters in Christ, fellowshipping with our brothers and sisters in Christ, gathering together with them. Father, I pray that you help my lisping and my stammering tongue this morning as well. Lord, I pray the words that I have to offer, that they are glorifying to you and that they edify and build up this dear church in the faith. Father, we pray this entire service today on this Lord's Day as a sacrifice that is glorifying to you. Through this, Father, we pray in your Son's name. Amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one. The early church was not devoted to pragmatic programs, but instead was devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Again, point number one, the early church was not devoted to pragmatic programs, but instead was devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Verses 42 and 43, which read, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So as we open in verse 42, keep in mind here, church, that following this crowd of Jewish people, coming to the 120 disciples of Jesus Christ and hearing them speak in that of their own native languages and tongues. And then hearing the apostle Peter preach to them about this man named Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to them by God with mighty works and wonders and signs, and who rose from the dead, has been exalted at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and who is both Christ and Lord who this Jewish crowd, mind you, crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, for this Jewish crowd then, church, in light of all that, for they were cut to the heart and asked, what shall we do? Only for the apostle Peter then to say back to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." to which about 3,000 of them who were in the crowd on this day received Peter's word, got baptized, and were added to the church. And this early church then, 
as we see here in verse 42, for they devoted themselves and were persevering and spent their time in and continued steadfastly in verse 42, the apostles' teaching. And at the early church where they were absolutely devoted to the authoritative teachings of the apostles of Jesus Christ. Preaching and teaching that was authoritative because, as F.F. Bruce puts it, it was the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ being communicated through the apostles in the power of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament, as we know it today, being the written deposit of their apostolic teaching. And that the early church, where they were eager and hungry and zealous to study the apostles' teachings, to learn from the apostles' teachings, to be instructed by the apostles' teachings, and to grow in knowledge of the apostles' teachings. And not only that, but they, the early church, for they were also devoted, verse 42, to the fellowship. Or as another translation put it, for they spent their time learning from the apostles, and they were like family to each other, and that this early church made up of regenerate and redeemed and saved and now spirit-empowered individuals, for they not only had fellowship with God in common together now, but they also shared in friendship, in community, resources, and in possessions together now as well. And as since practically speaking, and as numerous commentators point out here, for the early church then, For they would have been a group of Christians devoted to loving one another, encouraging one another, serving one another, praying for one another, and being hospitable toward one another. Not complaining about one another, nor criticizing one another, nor grumbling or judging or lying to or slandering one another, but instead would have been a group of Christians devoting to building one another up in the faith. To which, as we see then in verse 42... That the early church, that they were not only devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, but also devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread seemingly meaning more than just eating meals together here, church. But instead is likely referring to that of communion. And that the early church was a church devoted to coming to the Lord's table together, partaking in the Lord's supper together, and remembering the crucifixion of Jesus Christ together. And finally, as we also see then in verse 42, that the early church, that they were also devoted to the prayers. In essence, that they were not only devoted to praying individually and privately, but that they were also devoted to praying together publicly and corporately, apparently at both house meetings and in the temple courts. To which, as we see then in verse 43, that seemingly... In light of the apostles' teachings and the early church now devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, that all then came, verse 43, upon every soul. Every soul here likely referring not only to those who were part of this early church community, but also upon those who were outsiders and non-Christians who were also witnessing what was taking place within this early church community. And not only did all come upon every soul, or fear and amazement come upon every soul, but also as we go on to see in verse 43, that many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 
an essence confirming here, church, not only the authority of these apostles of Jesus Christ, but also the teachings of these apostles of Jesus Christ as well. And yet before we go any further in the text here this morning, for I'd like to wrap up point number one in light of verse 42. Again, which reads that they, speaking about the early church here, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And in light of that, Theodore Grabner, a Lutheran pastor, for he once shared this story about Horace Greeley, who was an American newspaper editor, and who once received a letter from a churchwoman stating that her church was in distressing straits and shared with him that we have tried every device we can think of to keep our church from dissolving fairs and strawberry festivals oyster suppers and donkey parties turkey banquets and japanese weddings poverty sociables and mock marriages box socials and even that of necktie sociables and then she went on to ask him For what device do you, Mr. Greeley, recommend in order to keep my struggling church from disbanding and dissolving? To which the editor briefly replied back to her, Well, why don't you simply try practicing some actual religion? And thus, as we wrap up point number one this morning, church, for I know, brother Christian, sister Christian, that there are a lot of temptations out there today especially as we grow as a church body, to add more and more and more programs to our church calendar. Programs that will help us attract more kids and more families, more singles and more seniors, more college kids and more neighbors, more community members, and even that of the unchurched. And please, please, please do not get me wrong here, church, for I am not against churches who run programs as a whole. For I am absolutely not saying that. But instead, what I do want to lovingly point out here is that there are a lot of evangelical churches out there today who run a lot of popular programs in their communities and who put on a lot of well-attended programs in their communities and who devote themselves to offering a lot of trendy and contemporary and culturally relevant programs in their communities, but who also then, quite frankly, neglect the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. And as one commentator put it, for if any church is going to be an authentic church of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it will feature all four of these activities. And if any of these components or activities are missing, then there is a critical problem with the church's health. And thus, in light of all that, for let us seek then, Faith Bible Fellowship Church of York, to be a church body that loves to study the Word of God together, and that seeks community and to fellowship together, and that consistently takes the Lord's Supper together, and that prays and that prays and that prays, not only individually, but also corporately together, since, as just mentioned, an authentic church of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it will be a church body that features the study of the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the break of bread and prayer and no pragmatic program, no new age teaching and no trendy scheme of man will ever, ever, ever be able to replace any of those essential components within the local Christian 
church. Which brings us to point number two. For it was the exalted Lord himself who continued to add members to his church. For it was the exalted Lord himself who continued to add members to his church. Verses 44 through 47. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And thus, in light of just being informed in verse 42, that the early church was a community of Christians who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. For as we see then that this early church, or verse 44, that all who believed were also together and had all things in common. And that the early church, for they were not only united together and spending time together and meeting often together, but that they also, verse 44, had all things in common and in essence shared everything they had with one another. And verse 45, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Which is not Dr. Luke here, church, the author of the book of Acts, demanding here or commanding here or telling all Christians here in any kind of way that they all must become socialists or communist, or anything like that, but instead what Dr. Luke is getting at here, or is pointing to here, is to the kind of generosity and kindness and love that they, this early church community, had and showed toward one another, to the point that these Christians who made up this early church, for they were freely and willingly and voluntarily, voluntarily being the key word here, church, verse 45, selling their goods and their possessions, their property and their belongings in order to share that money or to distribute their proceeds with anyone who had a need. And not only that, but this community of Christians. For they not only had all things in common, verse 44, and were not only selling their possessions and distributing their proceeds to all as any had need, verse 45, but they were also, as we see here in verse 46, day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And that every day, this early church, for they were not only going seemingly to the temple courts or the temple complex in order to worship and to pray together, but that they were also breaking bread together and having meals together and eating together in their very homes together. In essence, as Tony Marita writes, for the early church met both at the temple and house to house. For the temple provided them with a place for large, formal, and corporate gatherings, while their homes were wonderful places for more informal, intimate gatherings. And although many Christians today only want to emphasize one but not the other, for the early church, for they devoted themselves to meeting in both. 
left, which as we then see in verse 47, that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And yes, for I am sure here, church, as numerous other commentators also point out here overall, that the apostles of Jesus Christ, that they were preaching about Jesus Christ at this time. And that all these believers now who made up the early church, that they were also evangelizing and telling unbelievers about Jesus Christ at this time. And that this early church community as a whole, in their devotion to loving one another, caring for one another, being kind to one another, and generous to one another, that they also played a role in turning people toward Jesus Christ at this time as well. However... And what I want to make sure that you all see and grasp and understand here this morning is this. That it was through all of these means that verse 47, the Lord added to the church. Since it is the exalted Lord Jesus Christ who builds the church, who grows the church, who saves sinners from the wrath of God, and who adds them to his church. In that big picture here, it is not ultimately the wisdom of man that builds the church, nor pragmatic programs that build the church, nor plausible words of wisdom, eloquence from the pulpit, lots of likes on social media, or a trendy Instagram account that ultimately builds the church, but that instead it is the resurrected and ascended and exalted Lord of all, Jesus Christ, who builds his church and the gates of hell, no matter how hard they try, will never, ever, ever be able to prevail against it. And thus, as we begin to close this morning... For I'd like to do so with the non-Christian who was here first. And to say to you at this time, non-Christian, that if you want to be saved from your sins, receive the gift of eternal life, and be added to the church of Jesus Christ, that the gates of hell will never, ever, ever prevail against, then at this time place your faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. The one who came into this world as truly God and as truly man, to live and to dwell amongst us and to save the children of God from their very sins. Their sins that not only separated them from their holy God, but that also that made them deserving of the eternal condemnation and wrath of their most holy God as well. And he, Jesus Christ, he did that non-Christian, or he saved sinners from their sins non-Christian by initially living a life here on earth that we as sinners could never, ever live. And that the life that Jesus Christ lived here on earth was a life that was free from any kind of sin and was holy and righteous and just and good. And thus because of all that, for he, Jesus Christ then, fulfilled the law of God perfectly and completely and without any kind of offense and he did it non-Christian for the very children of God. However, being that the wage of their sin or the cost of their sin is that of death. For he, Jesus Christ then, for he not only lived the perfect life that they, the children of God, could never ever live, 
But he also then took their very sins upon himself and paid the price for their sins by being crucified and killed on a cross at Calvary in their place and as their very substitute, as the propitiation or as the wrath-appeasing sacrifice for their very sins. And you know what, non-Christian? It worked and that the perfect atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that cross at Calvary, for it not only satisfied the justice of our holy God, but also appeased then, non-Christian, the wrath of our holy God toward his sinful children as well. And thus, because of all that, for three days later then, this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, who satisfied the wrath of his Father God toward the very children of God, for he, Jesus Christ then, didn't stay dead or buried in some grave, but instead three days later, since sin and death had absolutely no power or no claim over him, for he, Jesus Christ then, he rose from the dead and defeated sin and destroyed eternal death once and for all and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. For let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin and can clothe you then in his perfect life, in his righteousness, and reconcile you back to God for Forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today will be the day that you will be forgiven of your sin and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal life. And to the Christian who was here today. For as we close this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian... For I'd like to do so in light of the importance of Christians gathering together and being in fellowship with one another. And the reason I'd like to do so in light of this fellowship theme is because oftentimes when people come to me and they are struggling spiritually or they feel like they aren't growing spiritually or that something just feels off to them spiritually... For I often start by asking them about their time in the Word. And if they say to me that they are diligently reading and studying and meditating on the Word of God, well, then I ask them about their prayer life. And if they say to me that they are praying regularly and consistently and faithfully day in and day out, well, then I ask them if they are making it a priority in their lives to be at church. And if they are making it a priority in their lives to be at our fellowship meals. And if they are making it a priority in their lives to be at our Bible studies and life groups and prayer meetings. And if they are making it a priority in their lives to break bread together regularly with their brothers and sisters in Christ in order to pray for one another, encourage one another, laugh with one another, love one another, and to build each other up. And I ask all those fellowship-related questions because, to summarize the German Lutheran theologian A.H. Frank here, for the way to conserve the heat of glowing coals is to keep them together. And similarly, 
the religious fervor of Christians is conserved or kept alive by the frequent gathering of themselves together as well. And us, brother Christian, sister Christian, for I know that we all have busy schedules, and I know that we all work long hours, and I know that we all have a lot of extracurricular activities that fill up our calendars oh so quickly each month. However, lovingly, let me encourage and challenge and urge you all here today to make it a priority in your life to gather consistently and to seek to fellowship consistently with your brothers and sisters in Christ by being here on the Lord's Day in order to worship with your church family, to take communion with your church family, and to sing and to pray and to hear the Word of God proclaimed with your church family. And not only that, but also by joining a life group attending a Bible study, and by sticking around for our fellowship meals once a month. Or if you're feeling real crazy, come over to the parsonage after worship on the Lord's Day, which everyone in this church is always invited to do and spend a whole afternoon with your brothers and sisters in Christ, where, trust me, we too, we receive our food with glad and generous hearts. Or if that is a bit much for you, and trust me, I do understand then lovingly let me encourage you to have your brothers and sisters in Christ over to your own house in order to break bread together, to pray together, laugh together, cry together, and to share what the Lord is doing in your lives together. And I say all of that because, as one commentator put it, half the job of being a good church member, quite simply, is showing up. Since you can't build relationships with people, if you aren't consistently meeting with God's people. Therefore, do not love the idea of Christian community more than you actually love the people here in this church. Now, it has been my prayer, church family, trust me, ever since I came here about four years ago, that we as a church body, that we never lose the love that we have for the Word of God or our desire to learn the Word of God, or our genuine zeal to grow in knowledge of the Word of God. However, it has also been my prayer ever since I've been here that we as a church family also desire to have our hearts be just as big as our brains, and in essence, not only be zealous about growing in knowledge of the Word of God, but that we also be zealous about loving one another, gathering together, and fellowshipping with each other as well. And thus lovingly, brother Christian, sister Christian, let me encourage and challenge and exhort all of you here once again today to consistently seek to gather with, to fellowship with, and to break bread together with your brothers and sisters in Christ, all so that you can receive the blessings and the benefits and the encouragement, church family, of being loved by each other, prayed for by each other, ministered to by each other, and built up in the common faith that we all now have with each other in the crucified and resurrected and in the exalted king of this world, the God-man himself, Jesus Christ. Thus it is my prayer that we as a church family live out this Christian life in community together. Because how easy it can be for us as egotistical individuals to think that we can figure this life out by ourselves and that we don't need the help of others when the reality is we have been called to be part of the body of Jesus Christ 
together. Therefore, give us a desire this morning, Father, as a church family, to show up, to gather together, and to be in consistent fellowship with one another, all while practicing consistently the one another commands with each other by being hospitable toward each other, showing honor toward each other, encouraging each other, loving each other, and praying faithfully for each other as well. For renew, rekindle, and give us a desire like never before, Lord, to consistently gather and to fellowship together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, all as we faithfully seek to build each other up in our faith in the Son of God himself, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, convict our hearts this morning. How easy it is to skip right over the grace that we can receive from our brothers and sisters in Christ by gathering with them, fellowshipping with them, being in community, in friendship, in relationship with them, praising God with them. Father, these are all wonderful things that we desire as Christians throughout America to grow in knowledge of your word, to pray regularly. But Father, we cannot do this Christian life alone. As my old pastor used to say, a lone wolf is a dead wolf. Father, give us the grace we need consistently show up in each other's lives, inviting each other over, strengthening each other in the faith, because we not only have fellowship with you now, Father, as your children, we have fellowship with this entire church. Give us the desire, Father, to dwell with them, to fellowship with them, to commune with them, to break bread with them also that we can receive the grace needed to live out this Christian life well. Strengthen us, Father, in this we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.